And that's what happens when all of a sudden you lose something you've been counting on, you, you reach out and grab for anything you think that will give you something stable. The other thing that often happens during crisis and trauma moments is we often look to go back to something that's familiar because we again think this will stabilize us or normalize our lives and uh, there are times where we think, you know, I just want to go back home, I want to get back to family, I want to go back, I start eating foods I used to eat or go back to an old hobby or go back to an old job or we, we revert back to things to try to get back to the familiar. In some people's lives uh, where they may have a propensity to, uh, when something goes wrong, if they had a propensity to alcohol, they might all of a sudden go and get drunk. In some people who have a propensity to drugs, they may go get high. For others who have a propensity to comfort foods, they just go and start to eat. They revert back to something. Well, it's in this atmosphere that we find the Apostle Peter in John chapter 21. Uh, he didn't go get drunk, he didn't go get high, he didn't go back to eating, but in his life, when everything turned around, what he had been hoping would take place and what he had been following Jesus to do, you think about he had given his life up to follow Jesus and now Jesus had been crucified and then uh, he had gone through a terrible time where uh, prior to the crucifixion he had denied Jesus. And the last time we saw Peter, he saw Jesus face to face as Jesus was being dragged away and Peter went and wept bitterly after denying Jesus three times. And Peter's not in a great state. So Peter goes back to what he's familiar with. He goes back to fishing. And we pick it up here in John chapter 21 and verses 1 to 3, if you'd like to read with me. John chapter 21, verses 1 to 3. And we'll read through this passage in, as we go through it. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples. We don't know who they were. Simon Peter saith unto them, what does he say? I go a-fishing. And they say unto him, oh, well, sounds a good idea. We also will go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately and that night they caught nothing. See, with Peter, uh, go, going back to fishing, you understand it, it, fishing's not a sin. He just simply went back to that which was familiar, that which he could handle, that which he could control, that which he was used to, and he thought, this is what I'm good at. In fact, when we, when we found Jesus, or when Jesus found Peter initially in the Gospel of Matthew, you find the record and the sort of scriptures there on your outline. Matthew chapter 4 says this, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Peter was already a fisherman. And Jesus had called him and said, I'm going to make you become something that you are not today. And in fact, uh, what I want to put a premise to you this morning is he's saying, I'm going to make you end up loving what I love. I want you to love what I love. I love people. I want you to become a fisher of men. If you follow me, this is what would happen. Now, if I was picking people to walk with Jesus, and if I was him, uh, 
Peter would be an unlikely candidate. He would be an unlikely person to do. He had too much mouth. He was always a problem. He was always <laughs> saying things he shouldn't have said. He was radical. He, he had a temper. He was you know, cutting off people's ears and stuff and swearing and cursing. As this, was, this was Peter. Yet Jesus said, this is the person I want because he saw something in him and knew what he could become. And I think about this night that Peter's out fishing. He's out there with these guys and he's gone back to that which is familiar and I can see him out there casting the net and he's probably saying, let me show you something, boys. Let me show you how to do this. I've been doing this my whole life. And he gets out there and he gets that net and pulls it out and <laughs> casts it. Let's it sit and starts to pull it back in and pulls the net back in. And all of a sudden there's nothing. He's thinking, hang on, this is a, hang on. Ah, maybe I just didn't have the right twist. Let me just pull it back in and maybe I've got to stick my tongue out the right way. And it starts to go, throws it out again and pulls it in and still nothing. Now when you read down in the text by verse 7, when uh, you, you find that Peter's actually naked. Now I tell you, that's some serious fishing. He's under a lot of pressure. I mean, he's got to a point where thinking this is getting desperate. Now, my sons love to go fishing, but I've never heard them stripped down naked when they're gone fishing because they didn't catch fish. But Peter's got himself into a bit of a mess. A and he's in this situation. And, and what I think takes place is when you go back to try to do something that doesn't, that's not working, that uh, often you've gone back and you've leaned upon it, you'll end up embarrassing yourself and stripping yourself of some dignity that you never needed to. But Jesus is trying to make Peter become something. And he's trying to get Peter to understand, and even in this process of his life, I want you to love what I love. I want to give you three little statements out of this passage that will help us love what Jesus loved. It's a process. Here's the first thing you can jot down in your notes. The first thing is this. We need to be honest about our condition. Be honest about your condition. In verse 4 of this chapter, it goes on and says this. But when the morning was now come... Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. You understand, this night, Peter's going for broke. This is the night where he's got to try to make things happen again. He's going back to what he used to do, but he's gone back to what he used to do and it didn't work. Well, what do you do when you go back to what you used to do and it didn't work? Well, what do you do in those situations and God starts shutting doors? And what I do appreciate about this is in the midst of Peter's nothingness, he's caught nothing, in the midst of this whole time, Jesus doesn't leave him. In fact, Jesus turns up on the shore. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't turn up just when you're a success? Aren't you glad that he turns up when things aren't working out? When things, when things haven't gone the way they ought to have gone or you're down for the count? Because as that song said, there are times of joy and there are times of weeping. There are seasons of both. You know, joy comes in, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I'm glad that Jesus shows up here. But here is Peter, busy trying to make the familiar work. He doesn't get to see, he doesn't even see Jesus. A and I often think when we get back to doing what we're, we've gone back to a familiar, we've gone back to something, we can lose the ability to recognize him. And sometimes God shows up and we never even, never even see, it's never recognizing because we don't expect him to show up the way he does. And here is Jesus in the midst of it. We're so busy doing what we want to do and we get caught up with this and we get focused on our own lives, we miss what God is doing. And then Jesus asks a question. 
You understand when he asked the question, he said, children, have you any meat? He was not asking a question because he didn't know an answer. God never asks us a question because he doesn't know an answer. He's omniscient. He asks us a question to always send us on a journey of discovery. He asks us a question so we would answer it and learn something often about ourselves. He asked, he asked Peter this question because he wanted Peter to admit something. He needed to Peter to admit where he was. You've gone back to what you were, away from what I called you to do, Peter. You've gone back to this fishing. I called you to become a fisher of men. I've called you to love what I love. I've called you to follow what I want you to follow. And you've gone back to this. And the question that he asks is always rhetorical, as he always asks. You know, Adam, where art thou? Elijah, what doest thou here? He said, you know, Cain, where is thy brother? Those questions were always just to get us to work something out ourselves. Children, have you any meat? Well, I know we're professional fishermen. And I know uh, we've been doing this our whole life, but the answer is no. So you're going back to fishing, it didn't work for you. No, it didn't. You know, it takes a lot of courage to admit that what you're going back to doesn't work or what you're doing isn't, isn't producing what it ought to. He had to be honest about his own condition. He had to be honest about these things. And that sometimes in life, uh, we're often working hard, but things are hardly working. We need to be honest. You know what? What I'm doing in my life isn't really working. How I'm developing this walk with God isn't really working. So that was the first thing he had to do. The second thing that Peter had to do, and, he had to, and this is what we all have to do, is we have to be humble enough to change. We have to be humble enough to change. In verse 6 to 9, follow what it says here. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fish's coat on unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were about were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid thereon and bread. Here is Jesus uh, who gives them an opportunity to, to try again. And Jesus, often think about this, Jesus tells these disciples, he said, I want you to cast the net onto the right side of the boat. They don't know who he is. We know it's Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus. I mean, you think about why would they even do this? Why would they, listening to somebody from the shore, yell out to them, throw it on the other side. There had to be some measure in his life. Here's the other thought I thought. Here is Jesus. Could he have not, could Jesus have not just all of a sudden commanded all those fish that were in that, in that sea there just to jump into the boat? Could easily have done that. Jesus could have just went, fish, jump in the boat. They'll, they'll recognize who I am when you do that. He could have easily done those things. He, he could have said, fish, swim around to the side that the net is already down. But he didn't. He wanted them to be willing to adjust and willing to change and willing to be humble enough as professional fishermen to say, you know what, we don't even know who this person is, but we're going to listen to what he had to say and we're going to change our, change our method, change our way from doing this. And sometimes in life, we, we get so stubborn in our ways and so stubborn in what we're doing, we're just never willing to change. And God said, if you're going to love what I love, you need to be willing to change. 
You need to be humble enough to change. You need to be humble enough to take instruction. You need to be teachable. You need to have a measure of humility. Peter had to learn all this. Peter had to learn to be honest about who he was, that I really, what I'm doing isn't working. I really have, I really, uh, this isn't going the way I thought it should go. I had to be humble enough to be able to make a change in life and to swing through. And all of this process was what has, was taking place in a sifting process in Peter's life. Remember when uh, there was, uh, Peter was there and before he was, uh, before he denied Jesus, Jesus told he was going to deny him and said, Satan hath desired to have thee, that he might what? Sift thee as wheat. And he wanted to pull Peter apart. He wanted to do this. And, and he said, this is a whole part of Peter's becoming who he ought to be. But I think about Peter right now, and here he is, and he cast the, cast the net onto the right side, and all of a sudden, things change. All of a sudden, he's thinking, what is this? And there's a huge amount, this huge weight in the net. And he starts to pull, and he realizes he has a massive catch of fish. And right at that moment, the Bible tells us, in verse 7, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he says he puts his coat on and he dives into the sea. All of a sudden, the one who Jesus loved recognized it was Jesus. You say, who was the one who Jesus loved? Everyone understands this is, this is the apostle John himself. This is the one who's referred to over and over in the Gospel of John as the one who Jesus loved. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty impressive statement, isn't it? To say, who, who did Jesus love? Oh, that one there. That's who Jesus loved. He loved this one here. And you say, well, why did John recognize him? John recognized him because he was always close to Jesus. Remember, he was the one who leaned upon Jesus' breast. Remember that situation in the upper room? Now, that's an unusual sight. If you would have come into this auditorium here this morning and uh, Pastor and I were sitting on the front seat and I was there leaning up on his chest, it, you'd sort of wonder what have I walked into. This is an unusual moment right now. And, uh, but that was John. That was John and Jesus. I mean, he would, he'd listen to the heartbeat of Jesus. This was, this was John. He was close to Jesus. He was a, he, he was a worshiper of Jesus. He was, he was around him. This is who he was and... It was an unusual event. And you say, did he, did he not love his other disciples? And of course he loved his other disciples. Jesus loved them all. And you think about this. It's like, it's like I've got five children, nine grandchildren. I love all of my children. I love all of my grandchildren. And I love them in different ways. It's not that you love one more than the other. It's just you love them because what they bring into your life in a different way. It's, this is what's taking place. And John, he was a passionate passionate lover of Jesus but something hit Peter when John recognized him see they'd had a circumstance before in Luke chapter 5 where they'd had a miraculous draw, draw to fish and John said I've seen this this is Jesus this is the Lord Peter said are you sure he said it is this is this is this the Lord on hearing that Peter just whacks his coat on and, and, and he forgets the fish that he'd gone fishing for and he jumps, to the, jumps into the water to get to the fish giver. And he says, I've got to get to this person because he's no longer after the blessing, he's after the blesser. Something's hit Peter. Something's changed in his life. Something is making him become something. 
And he's no longer after the provision or the fish, he's after the provider. Because it's like, it's like the old songwriter said, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. And Peter's heart is in that role. Peter's heart is developing. Peter's heart is becoming what God wanted him to become. It's sort of like this in our life. If I never get the house I want, I'd always want to make sure I get Jesus. If I never got the job I want, I want to make sure I get to Jesus. If I never got the ministry I want, I want to make sure I got Jesus. That's the heart that Peter's developing. Forget the fish. I want to get to Jesus. And he dives into this thing. As soon as he gets to shore, Jesus already had breakfast on the beach. And uh, what a great breakfast that would have been. And there it is laid out for him. And the Bible tells us that they had in verse 9, there was a fire of coals. Well, the last time there was a mention of fire of coals is where Peter stood around them and denied him. Peter's now being sifted. But Jesus said to him, when thou art converted, when thou art changed, I want you to strengthen thy brethren. See, Jesus knew something about Peter's heart. He knew even though you're going to go through a sifting moment, there's some grain in that heart, Peter. I, I know what's in there. And all he wanted to do, it wasn't that... Uh, he, he, he didn't want to take the leader out of Simon Peter. He wanted to take Simon Peter out of the leader. And, and he said, this sifting will be good for you, Peter. It's making you become. It's making you get to a point where you're going to love what I love. This is a humbling moment. This is a, a changing moment in your life. And don't ever, ever resist the changes that God is making in your life. Don't ever get so proud that you're not allowed God to humble you or you humble yourself and allow him to change you because he's making you become and he's making you getting to a point where you will love what he loves. And his heart is changing and, and things are happening here. And, and there is one thing that I, I just love about Peter. I, I know he cut off the ears. I know he done all that sort of stuff. And, but there is one thing I love about Peter. I know he had the mouth. I know he'd go to swearing. I know he'd do all that sort of stuff, but there is one thing I love about Peter. And this is what I love about Peter. Peter would make a move. Peter had the third quality, which I want to put a hone in on here this morning. He had the quality of this. Have a heart that is in love with Christ. Jesus encourages Peter. In verse 10, he turns around and says this to Peter. He said, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Well, that's very encouraging, Peter, because you really didn't catch anything. I sent them into the net for you, but I'll give you the credit. Bring the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes. A and, and we have the account of the number of them, 153 for all that were so many, yet was the net, was not the net broken. And so quite interesting, 153 fish are brought together. And if you've ever studied through the gospel accounts, you'll find that Jesus had, had personal, personal encounters with 153 individuals. As you go through each account in the Gospel of Matthew, he blessed 47 people. In Mark, three occasions, he blessed three people. In Luke, 14 occasions, he blessed 94 people. And in John, there were eight incidents where he blessed and helped nine people, a total of 153 people. And he's saying, Peter, you caught as many fish as the people I have blessed. I'm telling you, I want you to become a fisher of men. I want you to love what I love. And he gives him a little symbol, gives him a little taste of what's going to take place from here. And then Jesus moves in on Peter. He's now going to make the clothes on him. He's led him to this point. Been honest enough to admit your condition, Peter. You caught nothing without me. 
You've been humble enough to change. You even threw the net on the other side and you saw what happened and it, that affected you. When the one who, loved, one who I loved told you. And now Peter, let me ask you some questions. And he starts asking him some questions here. In verse 12, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine, and none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Good. Feed my lambs. Feed what I love. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Love what I love. He saith unto him again the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he saith unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. When I look at this account here, I think of that little expression where he said, lovest thou me? He asked him the question and he answered and said, you know I love you. You know I love you. And he said, because you love me, he said, I want you to do something. I want you to love what I love. And you, I love my sheep because they're the fish that I've caught. They're the people I've caught. They're the people I love. And Peter, I want you to love what I love. I want you to love my house. That's who I want you to love. I brought you through this process to make you become a fisher of men because I want you to love what I love. When you love what I love, you'll be a fisher of men. When you love my house. And here's what, I, what really got me in this whole text. When I looked at this text, I saw that Jesus mentions the word love a few times. And the scriptures mention that it talks about someone who loved. But it mentions that Jesus loved a certain person. The disciple whom Jesus loved recognized the Lord. Yet the disciple whom Jesus loved never got out of the boat. The one who loved Jesus got out of the boat and swam to Jesus. Not the one who whom Jesus loved. Which got me to think through this. Then I realized the one who Jesus commissioned to feed my sheep, to love my house, to have a heart for the house, was not the one who Jesus loved. He never gave that commission to John. And you would think the person who Jesus loved would be the one he would say, here is my commission. I want you now to feed my sheep because I love you. You're the one I love. But he didn't do that. He gave the commission to feed his sheep to the one who loved him. Not the one he, he loved. See, you, you want to have to understand as a Christian, as a, as a person, Jesus didn't do it for the one he loved. He did it for the one who loved him. 
Jesus never entrusted the keys of the church to the one he loved. He, go, he entrusted the keys of the church to the one who loved him, the one who had a heart for the, the things that he loved. See, it's not how much the church loves you. It's how much you love the church. That's the big difference. That's the real issue. It, it's not... It's, you think about this. Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, sometimes I hear this at our church. Oh, there's, not, there's no love in this church. And I think, you've missed the point. It's not how much this church loves you. It's how much you love the church. It's not how much God loves you. It's how much you love God. God loves the world. We know that. He showed that, he showed that on Calvary. But that is not whom God uses. God doesn't use people just because he loves them. God says, I want to use you because you love me and you have a heart for what I love. And I look at this passage of Scripture and I think this is what takes place. The one who Jesus loved said to the one who loved Jesus, it's the Lord. And the, Lord, the one that loved stayed in the boat and the one who loved the Lord jumped out of the boat. And then he gets to the shore and I can just see the encounter. They're sitting on the beach and I can just see him there, coals of fire. And then Jesus hones in with those loving, piercing, convicting eyes. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter must have sort of, you know, put his foot in the sand and said, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you know I love you. What about these fish? 153, you went back to it, remember? Where are the other people around here? Do you love me more than these? You know, you know I've always loved you. Okay, let me ask you again. Do you have to? Yeah, I need to. Do you love me? You know, Lord, I don't even need to answer that question. Because you know exactly what I, you know, you know me. You know what's going on in my life. You know I've never stopped loving you. You know there has never been a moment in my life where I haven't loved you. I know I failed you. I know I denied you. But even in that, you knew I loved you. You know all things about me. God and Jesus says, I know. Because I'm making you become a fisher of men and you're becoming me. You now love what I love. So feed my sheep. Love my house. What I love about that is when you go through difficult moments and you go through traumas and trials and failures and all those things, if it's just the thought that God loves me, if that's all I'm holding to that's going to hold me in the difficult moments, it's not going to work. It's not going to hold you. What will hold you in your failures, in your trials, in those times of bitterness and the darkness of nights is your love for Jesus, not his love for you. What held Peter was his love for Jesus. Thou knowest that I love thee. And by the way, a heart for the house 
isn't loving what you do in the house. A heart for the house is loving the people. It's loving what Jesus loved. See, sometimes I confuse that and I think I have a heart for the house because I love what I do in the house. I had a guy one time who liked to play the accordion. And we said, really, it doesn't really suit what we're doing <laughs> to play the accordion. We might do it as a, every now and then, but he said, I want to play the accordion. I said, well, it doesn't really work to play the accordion. Uh, it's not what we really need in, this, in the house here. Well, he would stand over during the congregation and play his accordion. And we said, look, you really, excuse me, you really don't need to be playing the accordion. See, what he loved, he loved his accordion. He didn't love the house. One lady was in the choir and she used to fall down in the choir and weep and get on her knees and pray in the middle of the choir. And I said, you, you can't do this. <laughs> it's very distracting. She said, well, it's how I express my love. But you, you're, making a, you're making a show. And you said, well, you said, no, this is distracting. We really do not want you to be falling down on your knees and weeping during whilst the choir is singing. It's really quite distracting to do that. She said, well, you're stopping me from expressing my love for Jesus. Well, she said, stage isn't for you to be able to, express, to show yourself off to this way. Uh, so we'd rather you not do that. So she left the church. And you said, well, why'd she leave the church? Because she loved what she was doing. She didn't love the house. And I need to say, God, I want to love what you love. Peter, lovest thou me? Be honest enough to admit your condition. Without you, I'm nothing. Be humble enough to change. God, I'll cast on the right side. I'll do whatever you need. And then have a heart for what Jesus loves. Lovest thou me? Peter never went back to the boat as far as I can ever tell. Something that changed in his life. He'd become the fisher of men. He'd loved what Jesus loved. He got a heart for the house. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I think about these, um, these moments and uh, Jesus recognising the depth of love that was in Peter. He knew what maybe none of the others really had. And uh, you know, when you deny someone like Peter did and he went to that bitterness of tears and felt that failure, it was the fact that he had a love for Jesus is what actually held him during that moment and what was going to recover him. I'm not sure uh, where you are this morning in your situation and what God is making you become, but I think what God is wanting us to really understand, it's not all about how much God loves me as much as it is about how much I love him. And he wants us to have a heart for what he has a heart for. That's why he's making us become. That's why at times I need to be honest enough to admit what I'm doing is not working. I need to be humble enough to change. I need to have a heart for the love of Christ. Love by 